On today's show, I am joined by Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops to talk about everything with Hawks Celtics, including the high-profile announcement that DeJounte Murray is going to be suspended for Game 5, leaving the Hawks shorthand in a series which they're already big-time underdogs. We'll get into all of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1459 of Lawton Hawks Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's podcast is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app right now, create an account, and use the, com- the promo code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts at Lawton Hawks, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And I'm joined on today's podcast by an old friend, a frequent guest of this podcast, Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops. Wes, welcome back to the pod. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I wish it was under better circumstances in a lot of ways. The Hawks, of course, trailing in this series 3-1. And uh, I had a list of questions that we'll probably still get to most of them for you when I scheduled this podcast. But in the intervening hours, the headline news, I think we kind of have to start with the, is the DeJounte Murray suspension. I did post some bonus audio on the audio only feed about Quinn Snyder kind of breaking in and talking about this within about an hour after it was announced, the Hawks called an impromptu zoom press conference with Quinn, which they basically never do. That was Quinn's first zoom press conference that I'm aware of as he took over. That was pretty interesting. Nothing hugely noteworthy there, but you know, basically the NBA just announced that Quinn, sorry, that Quinn, uh, that Murray is suspended without pay for, and I quote, making inappropriate contact with and verbally abusing a game official end quote. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen the video. Uh, if you haven't, you can find it pretty quickly, everybody. Um, what did you think about this? Was I know, I know you were there last night. Um, I will admit, I did not see this in real time. We were kind of hustling downstairs, as we always do after the game. But then when we were sitting in the press conference, everybody kind of saw the video and uh, had some mixed reactions. So uh, what did you think about this before the suspension? And what was sort of your reaction to the suspension? Yeah, so yeah, I was in the arena as well. Um, as you know, I was seated actually like, basically the opposite corner than I usually am. So yeah, I wasn't, you know, the game had just ended. I was, I was tweeting from the, the Peachtree Hoops account and just trying to wrap things up. So I didn't see it live like you. Um, but yeah, as soon as I pulled up the video, and I wasn't really sure. Um, at first it, it was kind of hard to tell, like, you know, did he make contact? He, he definitely obviously turned and said something to the referee, but, you know, after kind of looking at it, I, I think I sort of looked at it once, went home, went to bed, Got up this morning. It was still trending on Twitter, basically. And looked at it again. I saw that he made contact. And, yeah, from there, I'm thinking, yeah, I think that's an automatic one-game suspension. First thing I thought about was the uh, Grant Williams had a sort of similar sort of thing, although it, it, there was less intent to it. And I tweeted it out that uh, he got fouled. He got up in a hurry and basically inadvertently hit a referee as he was getting up. Um, and that got him uh, teed up and ejected at that point. And then on top of that, he got the one-game suspension for making contact with the referee. So comparing DeJounte's actions to Grant's, I was like, I think DeJounte's were worse because he was walking off the floor, stopped, intentionally went towards the referee and said something. So there was actually more intent than 
say Grant Williams had. So I'm thinking, yeah, if you make contact with the referee, they they pretty much set this precedent that it's going to be a one game suspension. Like that's, it's not even like you know. I'm obviously they they went and investigated everything today this morning. I'm sure they asked that's people. Um, but it, it just seemed like a pretty automatic one game suspension, no matter the situation. If you, if you make contact with a referee like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, so there's a lot to unpack. We won't go like through the Zapruder film style of this, but, <laughs> uh, you know, in the, in the moment, I, I guess, again, was in the press conference, kind of looking at my phone. Like I didn't think it was going to be a suspension automatically. And then as I watched it more and talked to people who know things around the league, uh, you know, Media, media people, people that work for teams, it was pretty much unanimous that everyone thought he was going to get suspended. And it wasn't as if it was surprising through that lens, like even what you just said, like if you make contact like that in an aggressive manner, it wasn't, it wasn't an accident. It didn't seem like it was. Um, and because of the fact that, you know, and I, I saw some Hawks fans pushing back on the verbally abusing part. <laughs> Uh, we, we don't know what was said, of course, right. but you know, if you watch the way that video unfolds, like, I'm sure the language was pretty colorful. I don't, I don't know what it was, but you know, I, I get all that. They've kind of thrown that in there, but he's being suspended for the contact. And I look, I saw some Hawks fans that were upset by the suspension and I understand I really do, but it was telling to me that the only people that I saw, I don't know about you that I saw that were, um, surprised or upset about the suspension were Hawks fans. People that national people didn't seem to be bothered or surprised at all by this. And it's not a conspiracy. I, I promise you, like if the Hawks, the Hawks are down three, one in the series going back to Boston, the NBA doesn't need to put their thumb on the scale here. They just don't. So I don't know. I, I get it. It was not necessarily something that's like striking. If you, unless you like really look at it, but as soon as it became clear, like you know, my friend Tim Bontemps reported last night that the NBA was investigating, I'm like, all right, well, this is not going to go well, I don't think. And it didn't go well. Um, before we get into kind of the rest of this with on the court stuff, I have to ask you the follow-up question that um, has been the one that everyone has asked me today, which is basically what aboutism with regard to Jason Tatum. So uh, for those of you who may have missed this, because honestly, this didn't make a national platform really at all, other than Mark Stein today, at least asked the question to the NBA to say, look, was there an investigation about this? But Tatum, when he was, it turned out flagrantly fouled by the combination of Clint and Trey, um, got up fast and responded and, you know, did make contact with an official. It was not the same kind of situation as DeJounte, but it was in the heat of the moment. He kind of like went through and kind of like, you know, pushed him to the side. It's hard to explain unless you've seen the play. I'm sure everybody's seen the play at this point. Let's listen to this podcast. Um, I thought nothing of it, to be honest. Um, but I do, I do understand the Hawks fan reaction of like, wait, did you not see this other guy do this? All I'll say before I throw it to you is like, it's not the same situation. And I, our, our friend Glenn Willis was trying to litigate this on Twitter today. Just like, look, I get it, but it's not the same thing. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that Tatum should have got something? Because it seems like from what Mark Stein reported, there was nothing, there's nothing coming for Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the NBA said they, they go back and look, look, review all these, and that's the same thing Mark Stein reported. So they did go back and look at it. It's not like they just kind of passed over. Like they obviously went back and looked at it, did, did whatever investigation they had to do. Um, I had a pretty clear view of it. So like I said, I was I was basically on the opposite side of the arena. I usually am. And so I was, you know, right along the baseline. At least I had a, had a viewpoint down on the baseline where it happened. And, yeah, I mean, Tatum was frustrated. He got fouled pretty hard. Like you said, they got a flagrant out of it. And, 
And basically he's trying to work his way, you know, I guess back up towards the free throw line. Um, the ref was kind of, you know, there with, with, with his <laughs> hands out and Tatum sort of shoved his hands away and maybe, you know, put his hand on his side, but it wasn't, nothing was directed towards the referee. He wasn't trying to, you know, intimidate the referee or, or any of that. It was just kind of like, you know, he was frustrated. The, the, the referee's arms were in the way he sort of pushed it aside. Like there, there is a difference. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't get a technical foul for that at the time. And kind of the fact that he didn't get a technical foul at the time, like I, it, it's very rare that you, they go back and look at it and then give, well, you know, the, the level of a one game suspension at that well, point. Especially, especially to you. I'm glad you said it because, the thing is, with DeJounte, the game's over, right? So there's yeah. no way for the ref to give anything in the moment. But if you saw the ref's reaction to DeJounte, he would have gotten a technical foul if that wasn't part of the game. Like if, that was, if that was between quarters, let's say, you know, between the third and the fourth quarter, yeah, there's not a chance that DeJounte's not getting a technical or maybe even ejected in the moment. Like, there's not a chance. If you, if you watch the referee's reaction, it kind of says it all. With Tatum, like, if the, if the referee in question didn't call even a technical on him, that's a pretty dead giveaway that he didn't think that there was anything there. You know what I mean? Like, and if anything, the referee involved is even potentially more emotional and more prone to giving a technical foul than like the even handed after the fact reaction. So I'm glad you said it. Cause like, I agree. I mean, again, I'm not picking on Hawks fans. I, I get it. It's, it's the playoff series. Everybody's emotional and fired up and you see one thing and not the other. And I, I do understand the reaction, but I had the same thought you just said, like, if it didn't warrant even a technical in the moment, you're not going to get that. I mean, especially not. Maybe they would have given him a technical foul after the game. Like at the absolute most today, maybe they would have assessed Tatum a small fine or something. Right. At the absolute most, but they were never going to not give him a T and then and then suspend him for game five. That was not happening. I don't think ever. I, I never thought it would, and it didn't. So, yeah, I don't think so. And like I said, I I do think intent matters. I think that's that's kind of something the the you know the the NBA officials look at, the NBA looks at, like, DeJounte clearly went out of his way to, you know, what I would call kind of intimidate the ref or say something, you know, yeah. kind of negative <laughs> to him. Like, Tatum, Tatum, as far as I could tell, looked at hit that video. He never said anything towards the ref at all. Like, so, that you know, when they, when the PR, the NBA PR put out the release, they, like you said, they said it was not just the contact, but also the, whatever the word is, was, you know, demeaning remarks towards verbal, the official. Verbal, abu verbal, verbal abuse. abuse. That's, that's yeah. the phrase. So, like, that better, <laughs> too. So, so that's that's another part of the difference. So, I mean, it, yeah, like I said, it's just the, he didn't get a technical in the moment. I don't think they were ever going to go back and review and, and give him anything, like you said, other than, like, a small fine. But, yeah, anyway, we can leave that there. We'll talk basketball, as we always would now for the rest of the podcast. But I wanted to make sure we talked about it. And one more time, I, I mean, I think some of it was jokes, but like the amount of people that I saw like insinuating that the league had it out for the Hawks here by suspending Murray and not Tatum guys, the, the Hawks were, the Hawks are already like a 200 to 100 dog in the series in the betting market. They, they don't need to do that. They, they just, they just don't. So I'll leave it there for now. We'll uh, talk about some basketball in a second though, but first a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by game time. You've been trying to find tickets for a big event at the last minute. It can be really stressful and it's probably not the best idea in the world for your emotions or even your wallets, and after all, buy tickets should not be a hassle at all. And with Game Time, you have the ability to have the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for sports and music and comedy and theater. With killer deals and last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee that they offer, you can also avoid stress and getting hyped for the fun that you'll actually have is more important anyway. Spring is here, and there are almost certainly tons of events around you like there are around me here in Atlanta. 
You can flash deals at the last minute tickets, and it's so easy to buy them. Buy tickets for any kind of event you're looking for. You can also see where you'll actually be sitting with images of those seats, and they'll have the protection if your event happens to be canceled for any reason. Forget planning months in advance. Get on those tickets right now and deals on those tickets right now as well up to the day of the event. Again, time guarantee also means you'll get the actual best price available. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less, you'll be credited by game time up to 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds. Plus, they'll actually be delivered directly to your phone to make things very easy for you. Download the game time app right now. Create an account and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. When you get there for $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs, of course, are ongoing. It's also baseball season right now with grand slams and no hitters and double plays returning to our lives in earnest here in April. And there's no better place to get in on both the NBA and MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer with FanDuel, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. It means bonus bets come back to you if your first bet does not win with FanDuL. Download the app right now, the FanDuel Sportsbook app, anywhere you get your apps, and it's safe, secure. And super easy to use. You can bet anything you're looking for, including the point spreads and totals and money lines, futures, player props, etc. Game five of the Hawks, of course, is on Tuesday in Boston. They will have you covered with pregame lines as far as the spread and total, series prices, live odds, and much more. And with FanDuel, you can combine bets together for a bigger payout with the same game parlay as well. Don't miss the chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 right now in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. Official partner of the MLB and the NBA. All right, Wes, let's discuss the Murray suspension through the lens of him not playing in game five, which for our purposes is more interesting and obviously unfortunate for the Hawks. Um, Snyder did talk earlier tonight, and I asked him about like basically what they were going to miss most about Murray. And it was a very you know, expected answer. He talked about the shot creation. That's the number one appeal of Murray is being the number two scorer without Trey. Uh, sorry, next to Trey and the number one scorer without Trey. You know, defensively, we talked about all that stuff, but like, uh, they we, they're not going to say who they're going to start in his place. I'll just say that as well. that's not a surprise. I would imagine it'll be Bogey. I don't, I don't know what you think, but I mean, I'll ask you the same question I asked Quinn. Like, what are the Hawks going to miss here? Because clearly, he's been really good on offense in the series, like flat out. He's been very productive, and uh, as we saw last year in the Miami series, when they don't have that number two guy, things can get pretty dicey pretty quickly. So, uh, wh- wh- what's your head expecting and uh, for the Hawks without Dejounte in Game Five? Yeah, that's obviously a big loss. Yeah, like you said, it's it's the creation I think you miss most. And Quinn spoke about that. Like, you know, obviously they've been loading up against Trey when he gets into the paint. Um, Shante has been able to attack off some actions, get some mismatches. Uh, you know, they 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 need everything they can get because the the first two games in Boston, you know, their offense is kind of hit hit the, you know, sort of been in mud for a lot of the stretches. That you know they need a guy who can, you know, start those sets. So. I'm sure they'll stretch Trey out. It's an elimination game. They're going to stretch him out as many minutes as they can play. He might be he might play 38, 40 minutes tonight as, as much as possible because just they just need to in, in this situation with your season on the line. So, you know, that'll happen no matter what. But, you know, the, I think, you know, I've said it already. I think obviously Aaron Holiday's the guy who's going to come in and, you know, he's basically the only kind of point guard sort of guy you have available. Trent Forrest isn't available. He's on a two-way contract. So, um, you know, those minutes without Trey are going to be big. I imagine you'll have Aaron Holiday and Bogey together for that added kind of creation. But, I mean, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, the thing with Aaron Holiday is he's he's a good defender. He's a really good defender, you know, arguably better than DeJounte. But with his size, like, 
you are going to put him on a, you know, Derek White, who's six, five and, and Aaron Holiday is like barely six foot. And, you know, he's more of a guy who, who likes to, you know, give full court pressure to like, you know, your, your, your high level, like point guards, your, your Donovan Mitchell's, your, your Dane, but Boston likes to get the, the ball to their wings. Like you're not going to match Aaron Holiday up on Tatum or Brown or anything like that. Like, um, you know, maybe you can put up a market smart or something, but, um, I do think a lot of his defensive value is a lot of his on ball pressure is negated, but you're just going to need him to, to run some point guard, you know, behind Trey Young. It's obviously a big drop off between him, him and DeJounte Murray. Um, basically since the, the Hawks have moved towards their, their playoff rotation, you know, they've cut out holiday. So, um, yeah, that'll, that'll probably be one thing. Maybe they give a few minutes to, to AJ Griffin, as we brought up, um, if you got bogey at, at the two, maybe handling the ball a little bit. You, you need another guy at the three. So, but yeah, I mean, the on-court contribution is, I mean, you, you just can't take away a guy, number two guy, like DeJounte, guys, your, your secondary creator, your, your, your second primary creator, really. And, you know, I, I don't know if you, you, you're, you're the one who tracks the odds. I'm sure the odds have gone <laughs> up from before yeah. to now, you know, the, I think the line was maybe what, you know, eight points in Atlanta last game, and now it's 13 and a half, 14 points. Like, it's it's going to be yeah. a huge uphill climb from here. It, yeah, I mean, it went from – so the Hawks were about 10, 10 and a half the first two games in Boston as underdogs that they came yeah. home, and they were about five and a half in game three, which is because that's traditionally the game the underdog is supposed to have the best chance at, right? First home game, they're down, they're down 0-2, and they obviously played very well in that game. And then game four, the Hawks were like seven and a half – eight point underdogs on Sunday. And now, like you said, with Murray out, I saw 13 and a half at FanDuel, our friends over there. So like, that's the biggest spread of the season for Atlanta. I was gonna say later on, I'll just say it. Like, you know, on paper, you could argue this is their hardest spot of the entire year. It's on the road. It's not a back-to-back at least. That's, that's a bright side, but on the road, no DeJounte. Boston is at full strength, no injuries. You know, they can close things out. They don't want to come back to Atlanta, obviously. Boston, we have plenty of motivation. And, uh, you know, it is it kind of goes without saying in a lot of ways, the Hawks were going to be underdogs by a lot, even with DeJounte in the game on the road. And um, you said it earlier, but the Hawks, I think, had like 101 offensive rating in the first two games in Boston. Um, no one played well on offense for the most part in those two games. DeJounte was probably their best offensive player in those two games. Trey was not playing well early in the series. He's been better lately, which is good. But, yeah, can they score without DeJounte? I could certainly argue – based on his performance. And I don't mean this in a, you know, to be like picking on him. They might be better defensively without DeJounte, to be honest, uh, even with acknowledging they don't have a ton of great options. He's, he's really struggled in this series. He, his playmaking is good to, defensively, but offensively, you know, you can't even make the argument. You said before, I think they're going to play Trey a lot. Trey's played about 36 and a half minutes per game in the series. He played almost 41 on Sunday in a close game. I w- unless he gets in foul trouble, I-, I think Trey might be playing 43, 44 like that. He really might be pushed to the absolute brink, knowing that, look, it's this is it. And I think they have to treat it that way. And that's part of it. But, yeah, you got to navigate minutes without Trey at some point. I think you said it, too. I agree with you. You have to have bogey on the court whenever Trey is not in this game. There's no question about it because Aaron Holiday, I've joked and not joked that Aaron Holiday is the shortest 3 and D wing in the league because he can't really do anything as a point guard. Like, he can handle the ball a little bit, but he's not a point guard, even though he's 5'11", whatever he is. So he should play. Um, the number one question that I've gotten 
honestly, other than just like reactions to DeJounte is like who's going to play in his place because DeJounte also played, I think, 40 minutes last night too. There's a lot of minutes to go around here. Um, I think it's a combination of Aaron Holiday, A.J. Griffin, I would imagine might get a shot here. Um, it's really tough for him as a rookie on the road in that environment when he hasn't played in the playoffs yet. But it's like, all right, A.J., go out there in game five of the playoff series. I guess the title favorite on the road. But I think they probably have to try A.J. I mean, they could even do Garrison Matthews at some point. Um, and then also more bogey. I think bogey's going to play a lot. That, that goes, that, that's pretty obvious. But bogey played, I think, 19 minutes because of foul trouble on Sunday. They're probably, in my mind, going to start bogey. They won't say that. But if it's me, I definitely would start bogey and just try to stagger him with Trey because that's the way to play bogey the most. And he's so much better than their other options that they kind of just have to. Does that make sense to you? I mean, does that, I mean, what, what would your plan be for that? Is just like kind of just ride bogey as far as you can take him and play and kind of sprinkle Aaron and AJ? Or is there a wrinkle out here that I'm not seeing? I think you do. I mean, I, I would say they're, they're honestly, there's a decent chance to, they might start Aaron Holiday instead. Just Aaron play him maybe four or six minutes and pull him until yeah. you're, you're ready I mean, for just, the trade just, minutes. Just like. to kind of leave Bogey in that role. Yeah, I agree with that normally, but because you kind of need Bogey to play so many minutes, it's hard for Bogey to play 30, let's say 34 minutes in this game off the bench. Like, it's just, you can do it, and they have done it in the past. Like, one of the reasons why you start guys is so they play more minutes. It's a very natural thing to say out loud, but like, yeah. If you sit the first five minutes of both halves, then you're having to play all these minutes in a 38 minute compressed yeah, time period. Consecutively so. is tough, right? So, yeah, but, especially, I mean, especially for bogey with one with yeah. one leg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, you know, I just don't know. I, I would, I would lean, like you said, lean definitely towards starting bogey. Just to, kind of makes a little bit more sense um, with the size and everything, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're like you said, they're gonna have to play. Like I said, you you can't. You can't just replace DeJounte's, like you said, 38, 40 minutes with, with one person. So so that's why I think they bring A.J. Griffin into rotation. I mean, I'll, yes, yeah, it's obviously a very difficult spot for a rookie. He hasn't been in the postseason right now. But, I mean, game five on the road, huge underdogs. Like, you're you're throwing whatever against the wall you can. Like, I don't really see any real downside towards it. I mean, no, nobody's really giving the Hawks a chance. So might as well get, get A.J. in there. They're, they're going to need shooting. I think you try to opt for like a high variance sort of game. You're going to get as much shooting on the, on the floor as possible. So, like you said, bogey, AJ, heavy dose of, you know, Sadiq Bay. Um, so, um, yeah, it's going to be a combination of everybody in the backcourt really just playing a little bit more minutes and stretching them out to, to cover De, DeJounte's absence. But, I mean, it's a huge loss, like I said. He's, he's the only other guy next to Trey who's, when the offense is struggling, who can kind of go and get, get his shot at a high level and, and create like it's just you know you you, you take away the, the team's second best player like there's there's just no real replacing it other than with you know trying to maybe sum up some some pieces from the bench yeah absolutely i mean even even the biggest Dante skeptic you have to acknowledge like look the hawks you could argue maybe overreacted but they reacted to what happened in the miami series last year and the number one reason why they went and got DeJounte was to have someone who could do what he does and taking him off their, off the roster, even for one game, it becomes glaring. And yeah, if bogey has a great bogey night, maybe you paper over it. Cause bogey really is very, very good when he has it going, but if bogey doesn't have it in game five, like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I mean, I, 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 it really is like, you can 
go a little bigger in general. If you are not comfortable with guys like Aaron playing a lot or if Bogey doesn't have it, or if AJ, you put AJ in the first half and he does, he, he just can't, you know, he's not ready. I mean, we saw that there was a game in the first, was a game or game two. One of those, one of the first two games where Jalen was like very clearly does just did not have it. And they pulled and they pulled him pretty quickly and never put him back in and young guys that happens. So if that all happens, maybe you go a little bit bigger and that's not satisfying anybody, especially with the way that Collins is playing on offense. But maybe you end up going a lot with like they could have Hunter playing play the two at some point in this game. That wouldn't stun me if they were to go like go big and go with like a Hunter Bay Collins center lineup at some point. You have to be creative. I'm not saying that's going to work. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that's going to be a primary thing. But to your point a second ago, it's basically you're throwing everything possible at the wall. And Quinn, he was in a weird spot talking to the media because it just came down and they hadn't had it. They hadn't met with as a team. I'm sure at some point they had a conversation this morning that says, Hey, what happens if John gets suspended? But they hadn't like, they didn't know. And now they have, you know, 24 hours to game plan and he wouldn't tell us anyway, but I do think it's like, it's a fascinating situation. And like, I will say this on a very positive note, and it's something that I think uh, Glenn said, and I know Ray, I know Trey's dad, Ray Young expressed some pretty positive things about Quinn having Quinn does give you a little bit more confidence and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Nate, but Quinn is pretty innovative and like he'll try some stuff. And that's, that's what you kind of have to do here. Acknowledging like everybody knows that they're obviously big underdogs. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Nate, I think Nate would in this spot, I think Nate would definitely go with like Aaron holiday, just keep the bench unit together and you know, keep yes, going with that. That'd, that'd be a very Nate <laughs> thing to do, which is kind of uh-huh. funny, but um, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, Again, Quinn Quinn kind of is a spot he's in. I mean, he he hasn't even had a full obviously season with with this team. He's he's kind of figuring things out on the own. He's he's tinkered with the rotation at, at times. So, I mean, I, honestly, like I hate to sound too bleak about it, but I mean, the Hawks are really kind of at a you know they're kind of at a house money sort of sort of situation. Like you know, you lose your second best player, you're going against the best team on the road. Uh, you feel like Boston kind of just you know, gave you the, gave you game three just to make it a general and sweep. Like nobody's really given them a chance. So, I mean, why not go a little, go a little unorthodox with, with some of your rotations, some of your, some of your lineups, like, you know, especially in the first half, just see what's working. Um, if you keep it close, maybe you just ride a, ride a lineup that you think is, you know, playing particularly well. And, you know, he, he kind of did that with Sadiq Bay in game three where Bay came in, gave him a good lift and he, Bay played the final 15 minutes you know, that was definitely kind of unorthodox. Uh, you know, Bay didn't really uh, give the Hawks the same sort of uh, contribution in, you know, the other games. But, you know, if one, one player's got to go on, you know, maybe you just sort of ride them. You know, it's kind of a do or die. Like, most times you may not ride a guy for, you know, 40 minutes if, it, if you had a game in two games. But you know that, hey, th- this is the season's on the line. You, you may just stick with a rotation that's, you know, even shorter in the, in the second half, maybe you should co- cut it down to like seven players. And like you said, like, like I said, just ride a lineup. That's, that's kind of hot and that's working. There's, there's very little to lose at this point. Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning app at Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as much as I do. It's so very easy to use. All you have to do is pick two to six players, actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds, assists, etc. You want to have 25 times the money on your entry at Price Picks. They offer, they offer sports across the board that you might enjoy, and a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and it's that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers. It's that simple. They also have safe and fast withdrawals at Price Picks, and every day during the NBA playoffs, one Price Picks user will be randomly selected with a chance to become a millionaire. 
one entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern time will be selected each day in a random process. And whoever gets actually placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. If you get all six right, it's a million dollars. Five out of six, $80,000. Four out of six, $16,000. And full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at that link. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash million. Opt in there to be eligible for the million dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is actually go and play like the game like you always would be, like normal. You can be the lucky winner if you are chosen. Download the Prospects app right now. Go to Prospects.com as well. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first-time user with Prospects as well, you get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code. It is Locked On. It's sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at Prospects and check it out at Prospects.com/million. You know, three guys played 40 minutes or more in Game Five. It's Trey, Dejounte, and Hunter. And I think we're going to see a lot of Trey and a lot of Hunter. We kind of already know that going into Game Five. Um, essentially it's all you can eat for those guys short of foul trouble or injury or just exhaustion. They're going to play as much as they can possibly play. Um, but then, you know, I think it's similar for bogey if it's me anyway. Um, but bogey doesn't usually have that kind of workload. So like his max minutes is probably like in the mid thirties versus like maybe Trey and DeAndre can play 42, 43. Bogey's probably going to be somewhere in the mid thirties. I think, um, you know, it'd be great if they had the Sadiq Bay from game three. To your point, I thought, you know, Bay was arguably the difference in game three. And he wasn't like the star of the game. Clearly, you know, Trey and DeJounte were both really good. But I talked about it a lot on the show yesterday. And I know we talked about it offline too. The inability to have the fifth guy they trusted last night was a big problem. And John didn't have it on offense. Bay didn't have it on either end of the floor. Jalen, they didn't feel comfortable about going back, going back to. And now you're down another player. So, like, trying to figure out what your best lineup is. I mean, they, they badly, badly need either Bay or Collins or both to be good in game five to have any kind of chance. Um, and, it, you know, we'll see. I think that's possible. I think it's possible that they go back to Jalen more. I and mean, that's a guy we haven't mentioned a lot, and that's my fault. But there is a world in which, you know, maybe Jalen plays great and forces their hand to stay on the floor because he's versatile in a way that some of these other guys are not. Maybe he ends up being playing with the ball in his hands a little bit more in this game. You're down a ball handler, and I've kind of poked fun at the point Jalen minutes because Hawks fans are a little bit overzealous about that at this point in time. But he is really versatile, and to take some heat off the tray, you might need to put the ball in his hands a little bit in this game. So we're broken records, I think, at this point, like talking about throwing everything at the wall, but they really kind of have to. Um, and the only thing is you just kind of have – I totally agree with what you just said about lineups. If they find a group that's working – I think he is going to stick with it as long as he possibly can, especially in the second half, because they haven't had groups that have worked and, you know, getting something from those forwards. I mean, it's, it's a shame they lost game four because Hunter was so good for three quarters in game four. And like they, I'm not saying they wasted that, but to get what they got from their, from the two star guards and Deandre and still lose at home was disheartening <laughs> a little bit because they were so good. And uh, for most of that game, but uh, is there like an X factor you're looking for? I mean, it's besides just like, make every shot, which was the adjustment in game three, just shoot 60% from the floor. Is there something that you're looking for, like above all else in game five to say, all right, if, if this happens, the Hawks have a chance. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that was, that was pretty much going to be it. Like, I think they got to put up. <laughs> no, legitimately. I think they, they got to put up. Quinn even said it. Quinn 45 said it. three. They put up 48 threes in game two, which, yep. you know, you know they, they didn't have to win it, but you know, they hit about, I think they hit 33% of them, but if they could yeah, hit, they were 16, yep. 40, 45% of them, you know, um, you know, get Jalen out there. Jalen's a guy who, you know, he can turn defense to offense real quick. 
um, you know, get a bunch of fast break buckets. Like, um, like I say, you, you just never know. I mean, I, certainly you can't, you can't sit there and rely on Jalen, but, but they will need the ball handling minus DeJounte, as you said, like, um, I still think his best asset is in the open court as opposed to, you know, in the half court, you can do a lot of connector stuff, but you're not going to, you're not going to initiate with, with him in the, in the half court at this moment, point in time, other than maybe, you know, a couple actions. So um, getting him out in transition. um, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with it's, you. And, it's a very, very thin path towards getting there. I'm trying. I'm just trying to discover. No, and look, and I, I'm not. I know sometimes I, I get accused of being a little bit either too negative or too positive or too whatever it is, too level-headed <laughs> or whatever it is. But I, you know, I, I don't say this to be pejorative, but they're 13 and a half underdogs. This is not a situation where we're being negative. Like they are enormous underdogs in this game. This is if this numbers holds. It's the biggest point spread of the whole playoffs in the whole league so far. And that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's in Boston. It's a two, seven series. The Hawks were the seven seed because they won the first playing game in an upset. So it really has the feel of a one, eight series based on regular season production. The Hawks are without their second best player on the road. Like it's not like we're being negative. Like they're, they're that big of an underdog in this game, but I agree with you about the three point shooting. You know, it's a make or miss league as everyone always says, including me. Um, can you have uh, the Hawks have a chance? I mean, anyone tells you that the series is over and the Hawks are going to definitely lose game five is, is incorrect. The Hawks can absolutely win the game. It's yeah. one game. It's a, it's a game. Um, and I agree though, taking maybe not 50, but 40 threes is absolutely guaranteed to be what I would be doing. Like, especially because of who you have to play, you know, DeJounte is shot the ball well in the series, but for, he's not the most natural, like bomber. If you're playing a lot of AJ and you're playing a lot of bogey, you're playing a lot of Sadiq Bay. You better shoot threes because defensively, it's not going to go very well for you, probably with those groups. So they have some decisions to make. Um, talked about that earlier, but they still have some defensive groups that could be interesting. The problem is if you go with your defensive lineups, I don't know if you can score without Dejounte. Like, yeah, if you go Trey with your defensive groups, maybe. But even Aaron Holiday, who's your maybe your best perimeter defender at the moment. I mean, I, I guess, Jay, you know, as, as far as the guards, the guard size players, um, he's not going to be able to be the X factor, like you said earlier, and smartly against these bigger guards. You have to, I mean, maybe you throw a lineup out there that's just like all defense with Trey, like a Trey, Hunter, uh, Jalen, Collins, and center lineup. Like, it gets it, a little dicey shooting wise. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can score. But that's the kind of stuff that like might be worth two two minutes and just see if it has any chance of doing anything if you can't get a stop. But I talked about this last night a lot. They don't they didn't have, they didn't have a five man group that anybody loved yesterday, and now you've taken Murray out, who was a guarantee to be in that lineup. So you you just don't have a lineup that everyone's going to like in this game. It's just hopefully you either make shots or you get a you know historic effort from your defenders. Um, maybe Boston goes cold. I mean, I will say, to sound like an optimist at the end of the podcast, Boston might be due for a bad shooting night. They they have not had one in this series. Even the games, even, even, even the game the Hawks won, Boston shot the ball well in that game. So maybe they're due, knock on wood, for like a you know six for 35 shooting night from three-point range. Short of that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough for a reason, and uh, we'll see. Maybe, I, I will say this, one more piece of positivity. Trey's been much better in the last two games. 
If it was Trey from the first two games, they're drawing dead. If Trey, but the way that Trey played in Atlanta, that gives him a, that gives him hope, gives him gives him a chance. He's been really good, and uh, he's always capable of going out there. And even against Boston, Trey could have a forty point game in Game Five. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're going to be big. I mean, I think the two guys they they just absolutely had to have a big game are Trey and uh, DeAndre Hunter. Like, I agree. Hunter's got to match that game from from Game Four. He kind of did this last year against Miami. He, he had he two did. big games in Game Four and Game Five. Um, some of it, some of it, some of it he's going to shoot too. Like the thing yeah, about Hunter, like, yeah. like uh, not always the best process, but I think without Murray, he's going to probably take some difficult shots. Yeah, and yeah. That, you, you hope that he makes them. Basically, yeah. That's that's basically what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's um, you know when they talk, you know, make or miss league. You know, he's he's stepping back and hitting some some long mid ranges like you know these are yeah. these are difficult shots but he you know got to his spots last night he got a couple of dunks as well um so but yeah they're gonna need him to play you know close to 40 minutes if not more defend pretty much the best player on, on the other side and really contribute on offense that give you you know 25 yeah. 30 points on, on good shooting numbers we, and we, we pretty much we pretty much know like, yeah, it's a narrow path towards getting there, but it, <laughs> it is the Hawks aren't drawn dead, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's a narrow path. But we, we pretty much know just to kind of before we sign off, we pretty much know that again, barring injury or foul trouble, it's going to be 40 ish minutes of Trey. It'll be 40 ish minutes of Hunter, I would imagine. And then, you know, probably 45 to fit 48 minutes of one of the two centers and the other 90, you know, the other 110 minutes will be filled out by whoever's playing. Well, I think it'll be, a lot of bogey out of necessity. I think they'll obviously play Collins for 20 plus minutes. We'll see. Same with Sadiq Bay. It'd be very helpful. I think a sneaky part of game three is that both bogey and Bay were very good in game three. And that might be what they needed again, because that's what, you know, I think Glenn's famous for saying this too. Their lineups really have been unlocked this year on offense in the second half when it is bogey and Bay together. And defensively, it's awful. I'll be honest about that, but they really can't outscore anybody with those two guys if they're making their shots. Because you put Trey in the middle and those two guys on their wings, and you can't be guarded, basically. So that's maybe one of their paths, too, is that you just kind of go maybe more of a throwback to two years ago or last year's offenses, where it's basically just Trey surrounded by shooting. That formula usually works. The problem is you don't, you're, you're kind of a shooter short in some ways. Because even if you put out, let's say their best shooting lineup is going to be Trey bogey Hunter Bay and a center. That's not bad. Obviously that's a lot of shooting. If you can get those guys to bomb away, but, uh, and maybe that's their closing group. If I, if I had to guess, if I am going to ask you this question right now, if you had to guess, let's say, let's just assume the game is close in game five. Is that their closing five in your, in your, in your mind? Or is it maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's Collins, maybe it's something else, but like, I would personally guess it's probably that 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 Trey plus as much shooting as you possibly can group. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, yeah, I just can't think of uh, another combination. Yeah, they they've got to have Trey, Bogey, DeAndre out there, and yeah, I, I, it, it would make sense to to slide Bay down, you know, slide DeAndre or Bay down to the four, and you know whether or not they go with say Collins at five uh, they haven't done you know Quinn hasn't really done that at all in fact he's actually benched John in fourth quarter a couple of times he, so he did he did it at the very end of one of the games in Boston when they were down like they were basically dead they were down like 12 and they yeah. they, they finally went to it just as like a super high variance option but yeah that's actually a wrinkle they could try and 
I know Collins is on the on the do not fly list for Hawk fans right now, but when he's actually used on offense, he's still a good player. I mean, I know it's it's, not, it's controversial to say John Collins is good, but he usually yeah. is. He's not been good on offense in this series. I'll be the first to admit that. Not good on offense in this series. Yeah, but but with, I wouldn't. With, I wouldn't mind that as a rookie. Yeah, yeah. With all the shooting around him, you know that. Yeah. that that kind of becomes less of a negative. But I if mean, he, if, he, I, if he's your dive man, yeah, right. If he's, right, if, he's right. Playing, if he's playing the five and just, he's the role guy, that's that's kind of what he's good at. Yeah, but mo- mo- most likely that's going to be Clint. Like, uh, yeah. I think that would definitely be great regardless. Like, just just to have him for the rebounding, you know, maybe get, get some offensive rebounds and tap out. So, but yeah, I mean, I I just can't really unless unless you know Bay just has another terrible night. You know, honestly, maybe you go with Aaron Holiday because because he gives you a little bit of ball handling, gives you some shooting as well. He can shoot, yeah. That's something about yeah. Aaron that's underrated is that as a catch and shoot guy, he is pretty good. He's one of their, I don't know, four or five best shooters probably right. as far as the catch and shoots are concerned. He doesn't really create shots, but he can make them. I could definitely see him next to Trey. Um, certainly, sometimes when they need it, but it's just so small, and he hasn't really gotten any minutes all series, so it's just one of those spots. <laughs> he tried his best to save Dejounte from the suspension, though, to bring things full circle. Did you, Aaron was the first guy to Dejounte oh, trying to get him off okay. the court. Yeah, it's, it's it a was, team uh, player there. <laughs> yeah, he he did his best. Um, anyway, we we've painted a picture that I'm sure is not the brightest, but again, this is still a game in which the Hawks can win. If they if things break their way, if if it's an average outcome, they're not going to win. I think that's pretty clear. But given the combination of what they can do on offense, even without Dejounte, as long as you have Trey and shooting, you have the ability to have some pretty impressive outcomes. You throw that in with it's one, the one game sample size stuff, and uh, you always have a chance. Whether they can win the series or not, I, I would certainly think that's that's a lot more difficult because even if you win here, you got to win two more times, um, including one more in Boston. So. That we'll put we'll put to the side right now. We'll talk about Game Five for now, and then we'll have uh, if they are not able to win it on Tuesday, I'll do some post mortem content. Um, a lot of that, I would say, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, Wes, feel free to add any final thoughts if you'd like, and if not, please feel free to plug yourself. Uh, I appreciate all of your work elsewhere as well as on this podcast, and people should be following you anywhere that you're doing things about basketball. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, one one thing I will say, and it's a little bit more big picture, but. Love you did that. bring it up. You, yeah, you did. You did bring it up a little earlier, but um, the players have really responded to Quinn Schneider, and like you said, Quinn Schneider yeah. is a very um, innovative kind of coach, a very you know modern, forward-thinking sort of guy. So, kind of regardless of what happens in this game, um, everything I've heard, um, I think I saw that you know Trey Young's father said that you know he he'd done great things for for his son for Trey. Yeah, Ray, Ray said. Ray said, by the way, that uh, Quinn was. I think it was the phrase was like he was the best thing that's happened to Trey since he got to Atlanta, which is right. pretty high praise. That's, I mean, it's obviously very... it's a player's dad, but still, it's that's <laughs> right. That's very high praise. Dejounte said something similar. He, you know, he said that you know he just really likes the way that he communicates. So this is a long term pro- process. Like you know, obviously the things look pretty bleak as far as this season, but but they are playing essentially the the best team in the NBA right now the best team during the regular season who just kind of happened to be the two seed in the East. So, um, yeah, I think this would be a good experience just getting to the playoffs and, you know, they, they were able to definitely show some fight in, in basically everything, but the game half of, of game one or first half of game one. So um, as far as that goes, I know a lot of everything we said was pretty negative, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I do think, you know, they, they have hit a home run with the higher and should start to really see some, some building going in towards next season. I, I totally agree. I've tried not to do because I know I have to do a lot of it for months and months after the season ends. I try not to do a ton of like 
you know, big picture future. Like, you know, I've made fun of it a little bit, but a lot of the, I'm sure you saw a lot of the reactions after the loss in game four was basically what's next year going to look like. And I, and I get it. I mean, right. the roster is <laughs> probably going to change. They're probably going to change the roster a little bit. I think, you know, as soon as they go down three, one, the realization drops in that you probably are going to win the series and all that stuff. And uh, I have plenty to say about that in the future, but you're right. Yeah. It's, it's good to point out because, you know, the combination of having Trey, who I still believe is underrated at this point, given all the talk around him, uh, the way he's played the last couple of games has been good to see having Quinn. Um, there's some stuff to look forward to, even if they were not able to win on Tuesday. And uh, I, I don't think that Murray being suspended in game two is going to change the course of history. I, I just don't. But um, that's another talking point. Another thing that right, entertain right. us, it'll, it'll tip off on Tuesday night. So there you go. Uh, are you going to be, uh, are you on the, on the ones and twos for Peachtree Hoops on Tuesday? Uh, most likely. Yeah, I, I imagine so. So yeah, you can follow me um, at Blog Hop. That's my um, kind of personal, um, more blog handle. But during game days, I'm tweeting on SP, at Peachtree Hoops most of the time. Um, so I'll be there Tuesday, you know, regardless of what happens then. And if there are any games after that, I'll, I'll most likely be tweeting that. <laughs> if there's a game six, I'll probably be in the arena. So Thir- Thursday, um, game six, by the way. Game six would, would be Thursday if the Hawks can win on Tuesday right. at home. So that'll be fun. Fairly quick turnaround, but um, but yeah, and then obviously I write for uh, Peachtree Hoops as well. So uh, please, you know, follow me online on Twitter, and uh, please read Peachtree Hoops. We got we got a lot of writing coming um, during this series and heading into the off season if we get there sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I would certainly endorse and encourage people to check out Peachtree Hoops. It's always a great resource. I am biased a little bit as someone who used to work there, but it's certainly a fantastic thing to check out. Follow us if you're not doing that already. I definitely uh, would. I would say it's mandatory. Uh, I have a list that I call the essentials. And I, Wes is on it, so there. Uh, I wouldn't blame you for not, but, but I would. I no, would no, no. respect your follows. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I would. I would blame you for not. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, but, you, blame. but you should be following Wes if you're a Hawks fan. Uh, thank you, sir, for doing this. I really appreciate it. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this show across podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play. YouTube as well. Ratings and reviews are appreciated. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Roll. Follow the show on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow my written content, patreon.com slash BT Roland. And we'll see y'all after the game on Tuesday.